Welcome back to Shrinking It Down. I'm Gene Bereson. And I'm Steve Schlossman. And today, as we approach graduation, we'll be talking about um, the stresses on families when kids leave home. So you mean high school graduation? Then? Yeah, high school graduation. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of graduations. Right. Um, but yeah, let's talk about high school graduation. So, um, well, you know, you know, you have a daughter that's about to go off. Well, as a matter of fact, I do, Gene. Thank you for bringing that up in such a spontaneous way. Um, yeah, no, no, my daughter is a senior in high school. She's definitely a second semester senior. She will leave for college. Uh, we are, um, she's, she's a kid who plays her cards close to her chest, so, so how nervous she is, we're not entirely clear, but we know there is some nervousness there. I, I do think it's important that we point out that, you know, she, yeah, she's going to college. I'm proud of her and excited about it, but still, in the United States, and I'm not passing judgment on this, I don't think this is bad or good, most kids don't go to college. The right. majority actually don't That's go right. to college. So whether you go to college or not, graduating from high school and potentially leaving home is stressful. So let's, let's look at that. So what, what are the stresses on, on these kids and on families um, in preparation for departure, for liftoff? Um, and then we can talk about like what are the stresses once the kids have you know, flown the coop. No, I, I think we should. I think we should, before we get into that, we should make it clear that we could fall into the trap of talking particularly about one or another socioeconomic group right. and ignoring the fact that there are multiple kinds of families, multiple settings from which kids leave home. Some places where kids yeah. don't leave home, but they still transition to being more independent. So each situation will have its a special set of pressures. So we have to be careful about our generalizations. Yeah. Having said that, there are certain ones we could probably agree on for, for, every, for everybody. Sure. Right? I mean, so the ones that I've heard a lot about are, um, you know, worries about the kid. For the kids, for example, like, am I going to get a job? I mean, for the kids that don't go to college, and what kind of a job am I going to have? And how am I going to, you know, uh, what's life going to be like when I don't have the structure of high school? I mean, they don't Express it, at least I haven't heard it explicitly, like, you know, um, uh, worries about that. Because, you know, there's this assumption that when you graduate high school, you're an adult and you're, you know, all grown up and you're autonomous. But I, I know that, 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 these, that these kids are worried yeah. about what's going to happen to me now that I don't have high school to kind of go to every single day, what am I going to do with my yeah, life? So, so you asked two things there. One was, am I going to get a job? And two is the structure thing. Let's, let's do that in reverse. The structure thing's really big. And it's, it's important for a bunch of reasons. The, the adolescent brain is prone to whims. It's not an insult to adolescents. It's actually the way we've evolved. Those whims allow us to grow up and leave home so that we can go and make our own families. Because of, for most of human existence, we died when we were 30. So you had to be out of the house by around 15 or 16 so you can make babies. So that's the way all but like one and a half percent of human existence we've lived, yeah. right? So these whims actually lend themselves to these moments where they um, feel whether they want to or not to declare a kind of independence. And then the stress comes when they actually can't for all sorts of probably worsening reasons. And in this day and age, they're primarily financial. So whether they go to college or they don't go to college and are looking for work, the likelihood of getting work that allows them the independence that their brain is programmed to want is decreasing. Right, because the unemployment rate is really low right now, but... But nobody the, can live on that. But that's right. But, but the minimum wage is so desperately low that the kids are stuck with either staying home, which they don't want to do, 
or leaving and not being able to afford to kind of be independent and and well, and, and or and, even and, and higher wages than the you, you said the minimum wage and that varies you know there's the federal yeah. minimum wage and but even the if they're making wages. even if they're yeah. making twenty bucks an hour which is higher than the minimum wage I mean who can live on twenty bucks an hour in this town well look it there are people where, who depends do where you are. we have to be careful right. what we're saying there's plenty of people who do and there are plenty of strategies for how but, how they can do but that but that's a different that's different from saying that they ought to have to uh, so that's a different kind of social justice right. thing right like like nobody should have to try and make doing twenty bucks an hour in the yeah. city of Boston that, right. that I'm happy to stand by but I think for the for kids the stresses of leaving home right now are can I achieve the independence that I have been told is my birthright literally um, by my culture that I so desperately want because my brain tells me to want it, can I get that with the opportunities that are presented to me? And how do we even find those opportunities in the first place? Right. And the other added stress, I think, is is that our culture basically says, in one way or another, um, be successful, do something important, you know, you know, do what do what you love, be passionate about what you want, be, you know, a star. And it's not that easy to be a star, whether you're going to college or whether you're going out into the workplace. I mean, it's it's very difficult to kind of like make a mark. Right. And also the standards for being successful um, have have changed. So this does be I mean you can we can have yeah. these discussions with kids, right? We yeah. can say, does successful mean you'll be able to live by yourself in an apartment and pay your rent? Or does successful mean that the whole world knows who you are because you're a famous YouTuber but you don't make right. much money? Like like all these different uh, markers for success are grossly higher than they used to be. Not gross like it's icky, but gross like it's just a much larger number right. than it was once before. And I think that's confusing to kids too. Okay. And so let's go, let's move to the next phase and that is, okay, so the kid leaves. Whether they're going off to work and, you know, sharing an apartment or sharing something uh, with uh, other, other kids or, or, which most have to do, um, or going to college. And all of a sudden, they don't have the structure, they don't have the guidance, they don't have the regularity that they had when they were living at home. And then they have to kind of like figure out, okay, how do I make do on my own, as it were? You know, there are 168 hours in the week, Yep. and, and I've got to do something with them because I've got to be at certain places at certain yeah, times. Yeah, so I apologize, I got away from that structure issue. It reminds me of a really interesting bit of data that came out about uh, six or seven years ago around substance abuse, especially alcohol. So kids who go to college and then graduate and go work for, say, an investment banking firm, they get into um, less trouble with greater amounts of alcohol with their employment than do kids who go straight to, say, construction. And the reason for that is you can't show up on the construction site hungover or drunk. You put other people at risk. So the boss intervenes. When I say less trouble, I mean the kids at Goldman Sachs are allowed to go longer drinking more and more because it's part of the culture. Whereas the kids who have gone out into the quote unquote real world actually are forced to ha you know, grapple with the real world ramifications of their behaviors much quicker. They'll lose their job if they can't perform on the construction site. Supposedly, I don't know if this is true, and I might offend some bankers. You can actually maintain your banking status mm -hmm. with a fair amount of booze on board. Mm -hmm. So it was an interesting bit of study looking at two uh, populations that were very similar, except for that difference. I think that's really interesting, and it suggests that the uh, the kind of monitoring that happens, say, at a construction site, is actually really important for those whims that your brain otherwise might chase. Yep. 
So the structure helps. But what about other, what other stresses are there? So, you know, what about the stresses of, um, uh, of dating, of partying, of the, of, of the social world? I mean, what's, what's interesting to me is, is um, it, they're, they're very different pressures. I mean, the students who are in college, you know, and the kids that are not going to college, you know, have all kinds of social pressures that that are different than they had in high school. Well, let me ask you this then. Um, I agree with you, and, and um, we can be of use to kids during these age. Like, like parents, right. you don't have to sit back and watch the devastation take place. You can offer advice. They might not listen or appear to listen, but they'll hear you. Well, so, the, so getting back to the neurobiology of adolescence, and given the fact that the brain is not fully developed until 26, um, we treat over 18 as adults, and we, we, we had a podcast about delayed adolescence versus, you know... Um, we uh, just treat them, we send them to war. We, we send them to war, yeah, right. We, but, we but, let but, them vote. We, yeah, oh, we, yeah. Yeah, which but, we should. Which we should, well, we, we should, but you see, I, I think what you're saying is, is that these young adults still need supervision. They still need mentoring, they need support, they need guidance. And, and they need a quieter amygdala. They need us to bring our, our frontal quieter cortex, our front, apparatus our, so, that, so that their frontal lobe can get in on the conversation. Right. That's been the job of parents since parenting has existed. But what are, what are the unspoken rules? Like in, 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 in medical school, we call it the hidden curriculum. Is the hidden curriculum, don't talk to your parents about these things. Don't, you know, keep it to yourself, you know, or, or, and, or, and have we kind of played into that by kind of letting them go and not, not, really, not knowing how to initiate conversations in a way that we can actually be helpful yeah, without, and be non-judgmental? It's an interesting question because I wonder if, if kids have found a way to let us know by posting things online. Like, like if we backed the, away the from it. The subtle cry for help. Yeah, like, culturally. And, and they said, well, you know, I'm just going to put it online. Oh, you happen to see it? Well, yeah. I, I think what we can do as parents and as clinicians is say, look, th nobody said these were easy times. They're not easy for anybody. It doesn't mean they're awful. They're just not yeah. easy. We've been through them. That's the way humanity works. You want to talk about it? And if they say no, you say, well, it strikes me that this is going on. You're in a little too deep on this front. You're not too deep on this one. Think about it. Yeah. I, th I think those things can go a, a long way. Well, it's interesting It's interesting because in my own experience, I've got four kids, and um, there's something that happens, and the, all, all of them went to college, my, you know, and eventually completed college. But at about, you know, um, well, at about 20, 21, junior year, um, there was some transformation that happened. Like they began to kind of like come back and kind of like apologize for like giving me a real hard time. I am for one so thing. looking forward to that. <laughs> they began to actually call me up and ask for advice. But there was something that happens at around 21, 20, you know, ish, prior to prior to graduation, um, that. Um, and I don't know whether this is, maybe you can answer this. Is this a biological phenomenon? Is it, an, is, it, is, it, is it social maturity? Is it the ability to kind of like have lived, you know, kind of like in the isolation booth long enough to basically say, you know, like, all right, now we can talk. And it was so refreshing 
it was it was a really really valuable because we then we started really having conversations about all kinds of things that we never had before. And, and you can't you can't possibly be asking that question in any way other than a rhetorical way because no. we know it's all of those things. Yeah. Right. We know that the biology lends itself to that. We know that the culture allows that to happen in our particular culture. Yeah. It's slightly different in other cultures. We're majorly different depending where you are. But every culture has it set up such that the kids can come back and ask these questions of the adult, of the elders, yeah. of the adults. That's, that's the, again, the nature of humanity. And I think what we have to do is we have to be, as, as parents, I guess, looking back on it, I think we have to be very mindful of being non-judgmental and being open. So when they do come back, which is the hope, and which is, in my experience, you know, for, for, the, for, for the folks that I know who've had kids that have not gone to college, and for the folks that I know that whose kids have gone to college around that age, the kids will kind of come back. But wait, wait, let me, I'm going to interrupt you. Yeah. Um, before we wrap up, I'm just going to put you on the spot. Yeah. I agree we should be non-judgmental, but let's say your kid comes back and says, Dad, let's say your kid came to you and said, Hey, Dad, um, I have decided that I am going to go join this commune in Thailand for the next three years, and you can't contact me, and I won't be reachable. What's I'd, your non-judgmental response? I'd say, <laughs> you so, got, no, you're out of your mind. Okay, but that sounds judgmental. So yeah. what, seriously, no, no. what do you do? No, 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 I, I probably would have to kind of like force myself to say, I'd be thinking, you're at, like, there's no way you're going to do that. There's no way that I'm going to, I can't say allow because they're adults um, or agree with it. But I, I, I have to force myself to hold back and say, well, what are you thinking about? What, what's, what's, your, what's your purpose? What's the goal? Tell, tell me about this. And just kind of like fasten my seatbelt because if I don't, I've learned, if I, if I begin with a confrontation, which is what I'm feeling, all bets are off. So your amygdala got engaged. Yeah. I, so I'm okay. feeling like fight or flight. I'm feeling like don't, yep. don't, don't go there because I don't. Over okay. my dead body. That's right. Over yeah. my dead body. But, okay, what you have to do, I think, is step back and shut the amygdala down and, and, and just ask the questions. Like, what, so what, the reason what you, I brought what, what that up hopes? What do you want to do? Non-judgmental does not equal all approving. No. That's what I wanted to get across. Right, right. We still have a right and an obligation as parents. And it's not, we're going to have yeah. judgments. Right. To say, I don't think this is a good idea. Yeah, right. But we got to figure out how to say it. Yeah. No, and, and I think that, the, and interestingly, what I found out with my kids is that they already know what my judgment and my, because they know me. So yeah. they, they know where I'm coming from. So if I don't go there, they're going to come and say, I know what you're thinking. And they're right. I have to admit it. Right. But, but, but the whole point that I would like to get at is having kind of an op having a, having a, a, a fair conversation with them. So, so how do we... Um how do we wrap this up? What would you say? I'd say um, not not that discussion. I'd, I'd say grow. Discussion. I'd say growing up, graduating from high school, and leaving home is stressful and challenging for both parents and for our kids. Um, and and we're all kind of learning the ropes as we go along because it's different. As you pointed out at the beginning, it's different for different families, for different socioeconomic groups, for different 
people in places around the country. But we're all learning this together. And I think that we all have to realize that this is a developmental process for us as parents and for our kids. And we have to kind of like take it step by step, but not kind of, and be mindful about that it's a process, that's an evolution. So, agreed. Agreed. Okay, so now it's time in the show for monumental mental health myths. I swear you always forget it right before you're going to say it. No, because I'm pausing so that the drum roll can actually... The drum roll we don't hear? <laughs> that, that virtual drum roll. Right. That, I don't hear it. Maybe you hear it. Um, you, here. Okay, here's one for you. We'll make this really complex. Um, when kids leave for college, it's best for parents to take a hands-off approach. That is, it's 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 something we didn't talk about. Actually. You know, <clears throat> when my um, I remember my first day of college, and the uh, residential dean came out to all the parents who were there. My parents didn't come with me, but a lot of parents did, and said, "Welcome, parents. We're glad you here. We're glad you're here. <clears throat> now please leave," and sent them all away. Really, and the message that I think they were trying to convey was exactly that myth. Kids, I called my parents, you know, as, as we all did, yeah. as often as was possible and able, you know, before the age of cell phones and all that. They still need us, right? You, you don't just send them off and you're done with them, right? They're going to call back. I mean, we know this from our practice. We know this from our friends. We know this from our own kids. Yeah. That, so it's a myth that you're done. Uh, right. And, and, you know, one thing that I'd, I'd want to uh, point out is, is that, and this gets into another, another uh, podcast, another whole issue, is that the whole issue of of college mental health and the need for parental involvement um, is really big. I mean, 50% or more of college kids will have a mental health crisis during, during their stay there. And, um, and, one of the, and when I've actually addressed this with various college campuses and counselors, the one thing that, they've all, that we've always come to is that we're not doing a good enough job to keep the parents engaged in the college in well, the world, would, in the world I would, of college I would campuses. broaden that. I would, you know, given that the majority of kids don't go to college, it's almost equally as difficult for the 20 to 26-year-old crowd to find somebody for their it's mental harder, health needs, yeah. too. Because they're still going to see their pediatrician often. They, they, so transitioning to a new primary care right. doctor, a new system right. of care, and yet they're not really adults, as we've talked about, just developmentally. So um, it is a myth that you're hands-off. You're, you're involved. And, and, but the challenge is, is... But if, if you buy into this myth, the challenge is how do you, um, how do you, how do you stay involved? I mean, regardless if your kid's in college or in the workplace. Wait, if you buy into the myth or if, if, you, if, don't? If, if you If you buy into the myth that, 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 that it's a hands-off approach, that you stay back, if you're buying into that, you've got to somehow confront yourself and say, no, wait a second, I am, I am not going to you know, uh, believe that now that the kid is launched, wherever the kid is, that I'm out of here. I'm going to stay involved and I'm going to be persistent. So is that what you're saying is that it's not a, that, that it is a myth. It is a myth. So you shouldn't buy into it. You should not buy into okay. it. You should stay involved. And, and, you know, even at the risk of being kind of like a little pushy about it, you should kind of like stay involved with the yeah. kid. And they will be grateful for it ultimately. Even if they're not, you should probably stay involved. Yeah, yeah. right. Okay, so now that's for you. Okay. Um, this is another college one, and so I'm going to broaden it. 
what this says is all you need to do to get a good job is go to college. But I want to make it even, because we pointed out over and over that actually most kids don't go to college, let's just say all you need to do to get a good job is to, is to go out there and find it because the jobs are there for the getting, whether you get that college degree or not. There's plenty of jobs out there, the economy's booming, you shouldn't worry. What do you think? I think you should worry. I think um, it, it used to be, or the, the myth is, is that you can't get a job without a college degree. Not true. Not true. Not true. If you have a college degree, you may well not get a job. And if you don't have a college degree, but apprentice yourself to an electrician, you may well likely get a job. And you will, you will likely get a job, and you'll likely get a very good job and a very productive job. So um, a college degree is, it's interesting, it's like extraordinarily expensive. It's incredibly time consuming and difficult. Uh, but it's not going to really guarantee a job or success in life. I mean, it's not, it's not a golden ticket. And by the same token, and this is something I get really worried about, say you go and you major in classics or in art history, you're not going to not get a job because of that. Right. And, you know, so people say you can't do that, it's dying, you're throwing your life away. No. That makes me crazy. We have med students me who too. majored in, in art history. We have, so you have to take other courses. You can't only major in that. Or you might find a job as a curator and you might not make a fortune, but you might be happy doing what you're doing. You know, so there's, there's other forms of good job, other forms of currency rather than currency. Well, well, here's the thing is, is the focus of that question or of that myth is, is, is around the whole issue of jobs. Um, but what I keep, and, and, and I see a lot of, um, of young adults, not in college, in college, and what I say to them when, when, we're, when we're talking is like, you know, what, what do you love? What are you passionate about? What do you like to do? Yeah, so I think, I think we'd be having a really different conversation, different conversation if we were in Los Angeles. Because every other kid we talked to, what's, what's your job? Well, I'm a musician. Well, I'm an actor. Well, what do you do? I work at Starbucks. I, you know, so they would have a different kind of, or I'm <laughs> a waiter. day job. Yeah, yeah. So what they're passionate about, what they do, it's a bit of a cliche, but there can be a separation. Ideally, we'd love for them to come together or to find ways to make your avocation as important to you as your vocation. Yeah. Those I mean, sometimes the job is a means to an end. I mean, and for these, for these musicians and writers to be and actors and actresses to be, they're, they're, they're working at, at a restaurant in order to do what they really love to do and what they aspire to do. So, to quote Ringo Starr, That's a good way to end. Which, which <laughs> line am I, do you know which line I'm thinking of? No. It ain't easy. <laughs> Didn't he sing that? You know it ain't easy. Yeah. Yeah. It's not easy. It'll yeah. never be easy. Right. Um, and I don't think any parent signed up for it to be easy. No. Um, but you have to mindfully acknowledge that it's hard. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot for watching, everybody. And um, send us your comments, your questions. Um, and um, we'll see you next time. I'm Gene Barrison. I want to ask one more thing. Send yeah. us your stories. I want to see your stories. I'm Steve Schlossman. Thanks. Yeah, that'd be good.